You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by The Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thank you for joining me on The Partner Podcast. This podcast is focused on giving law firm partners useful and relevant information that will help them improve in their lives, grow their practices, and get more business. One of the challenges of being a partner is working as a partner and having to lead others. Whether you lead a small team of associates or lead a practice group or even lead a whole office or a firm, you know that that's a true challenge. In today's podcast, we hear about a new perspective and glean tactical insights from a world-class expert on leadership, Jeff Niswich. Jeff, who is a prolific speaker to law firms and business groups and also an author, shares with us a unique concept called Snow Globe Leadership. I've got with me on the podcast, Jeff Nishwitz. He's the president of the Nishwitz Group, and he's a professional speaker and an expert on leadership. Today, we're going to talk about Snow Globe Leadership, shifting your leadership in the business of law. Jeff, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me on. I always enjoy the opportunity to talk about leadership, especially in the law firm arena. And you were referred to me by somebody that saw you speak at a law firm conference, and they spoke highly of you and said that you had some pretty important ideas that could help partners that are in a leadership role in their firms. So let me ask you, from your experience in law firms, what are some of the key challenges that are facing law firm leaders in today's market? Well, the biggest one, Scott, is one that's been true for a long time. It's still true in the 21st century, as well as the last part of the 20th. And that is, I still see too many law firm leaders that are in the the mindset of the practice of law, not the business of law. And what I've seen happen is firms, especially when you get to midsize and larger firms, they certainly have people in listed in positions that look like a business structure, but they're often not functioning as they would in the business world and leadership roles. Um, you don't have, you've got, you know, still practitioners who are practicing law, bringing some business ideas, but the firm's really not being run often with a business mindset and definitely not a leadership mindset because to me, Scott, those are two very different things. And what we do you mean by set, that? Example? What, well, what would be definitions of that? We those? can set up a business structure and someone could say, we have all these business structures and we have perhaps business processes, perhaps. So you look at it and it has some trappings of business, but leadership is about one thing in my book. And leadership is about growing your people. Leadership is about vision. So if you look at that in the law firm arena and say, how much time and attention is given to growing your people, not just making them better lawyers, but growing them as in their organization, I see very few firms that are doing that. They're still in the model of, let's get you to be a good lawyer. Yes, we want you to go bring in business. We may not tell you how to do that, but we're going to expect it of you. And we're going to expect you to bill hours and bring in clients without a whole lot of training, mentoring, or guidance. And that, to me, is is what leadership is about, and that's not what's being delivered to the team. I've seen that also. I concur. From when I, when I talk to partners, I think the biggest frustrations can be summed up in one word. It's leadership. When I talk to a partner that's thinking about moving, whether they're actively taking meetings or they're thinking about that, it's because they're not getting the resources, they're not getting the help, they don't trust their colleagues, 
They don't feel like they have significance within their firm. And if a firm can offer the things that you talked about, that's going to translate into an increasing book of business. That's the bottom line over time. There yeah, was, what you just listed, Scott, is the outcome of leadership. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Why, why do you think that most law firm leaders just don't understand that or don't focus on that? What do you think the reason is? I think two things. One is old habits. None of them grew up in that environment. That's how, how they grew up in the firm. Most of them, they're leading the same way they were led. So part of it is old habits and old culture. The other part is not understanding the value of the things you just talked about, and, and certainly not understanding the cost and equating the fact that when someone leaves, when many people leave a law firm, the reason they leave is an absence of leadership. They may not say that, but that is why they're leaving. They don't see the cost of that or the value slash benefit of building an organization and thinking and an approach to leadership that has people want to be there. And they're just not seeing the value. They, in, in many ways, they're seeing their people as a commodity, even though they would never say that. And they probably don't consciously think that. Right. But their style and approach to leadership is ultimately treating their people like a commodity. And I would say that out of 100 firms, one of them probably doesn't have to worry about that because they've got the brand equity where the business is coming to them that attracts a certain caliber of person. They're able to charge more than everybody else. They're able to get get the call more than everybody else just because of their brand equity is so high. But the other 99 aren't like that. They've got to really scrap and scrape and try to get the business and try to find ways to show that they're innovative and have points of distinction and attract big books of business, partners with large portable books through that culture, which is a derivative of the leadership. So you're absolutely right, Jeff. You've got some key concepts that I think have have substantive merit within a law firm today. One of the challenges, Scott, real quick is what you just described, the one out of the hundred. Mm -hmm. The problem I see is I agree with that number, but what I see is more like 80% of that hundred think they are the one. That's right. They run their firms as if they're that one, that they don't have to do all those things. But the fact is they do, and they're not doing a lot of those, certainly effectively. Right. Yeah, they overestimate the brand equity that they have. Absolutely. So there's a concept called snow globe leadership that I understand you're familiar with. What does that mean, and, and why is that important? Yeah, you know, Scott, I stumbled on that. It was one of these things that I didn't go looking for, and it didn't hit me immediately. But I was thinking about snow globes one day on a stage, and I started talking about them without planning it. And I'm sure you do some speaking, you know how that happens. It just comes into your head. And what I thought about snow globes is this, they're all very, they all are similar. They're pretty, pristine, tranquil, quite beautiful. All their differences, but that's their essence. But the magic of a snow globe only happens when you shake it. And so the thing is, I come to the idea of if we want to be effective in our leadership, we've got to be prepared and willing to shake our own snow globe, and also shake up the snow globes within our organization, because otherwise things can look good, but they're complacent, or maybe they're the way they've always been. And so the essence of this is constantly being willing to shake up our snow globe, our leadership snow globe. And the other part of that is once you shake the snow globe, very quickly it goes back to the way it was before. And mm -hmm. that's how too many folks in all businesses, including the law, look at change or shifts or leadership, they shake things up a little bit and say, okay, now we're good. 
but things go back to the way they were almost immediately. And the reality is there is a risk in the shaking and there's a discomfort in that. But that's what leaders do. Leaders take those risks. Leaders live in the discomfort. And my view is that we can have people in positions of leadership, but the act of leadership is not a full-time job. Leadership is not required all the time, but leadership awareness is that willingness to shake things up and, and be willing to go into that unknown, that uncertain and get out of our comfort zone. And so I just, this whole metaphor of snow globe and leadership just keeps building for me. So you mentioned the R word, the risk words in what you just mentioned. How does a leader manage that? They've, they're dealing with, let's say in some cases, hundreds of partners with their arms crossed, scratching their heads with a skeptical perspective on what the law firm chairman just said, the new direction is, or we wanna merge with this other firm. How does a law firm leader get beyond that? How do they manage that risk? What are some things that you've seen? Well, I'm going to go right there and get the heart of it. First of all, you can't manage risk. That's a myth. You can be aware of risk. You can more deeply understand risk, and then you can make conscious choices about what risk you'll take, but you still have no certainty of what the actual risk is. And I see too many people trying to manage risk versus the word I would say is navigate it and navigating it by being more aware and paying attention to the potential impact of the things we're sharing. You know, uh, part of this is about empathy in terms of getting in the shoes of the people we're leading to not change their minds, but help them to see it differently, because that's what leaders do. Leaders don't just change things. They help people see it differently, see the change differently, help them understand the risk and some of the fear that's going to be in there and help them get through their own discomfort. The other part, and we're going to have to use a word that's so foreign in the law firm environment. You said the R word of risk, but here's the essence of risk for leaders, especially it's vulnerability. And we are so confused in our culture and leadership about vulnerability because we think, number one, it's about weakness. Number two, we think it's about emotions and it's not. Vulnerability is just this acknowledgement that I'm not perfect, I don't have all the answers, and we're in this together to figure it out. Mm. And too many leaders were taught by modeling of others that that's the exact opposite of what they do. And right now, what we're finding in our culture today over the last couple of decades is that the most effective leaders, and I'm talking about who engage people, these who create influence, who create followers, not just outcomes, but followers and impact, are the leaders who have found a way and are willing to be vulnerable. And that all the research is showing this now, and still very, very few leaders are going there because they're terrified of it. And I think they misunderstand what it means. It's interesting, when you talk about these things, there's an emotional context to that, isn't there? There can be, but not always. Hmm. But let's talk about what emotions are. See, that's too many people think of emotions as tears. I'm not going to be that. Wait a minute. Fear is an emotion. In fact, it's one of our most dominant emotions. Our people have fears. But when was the last time you were in any business setting where they talked about fear? Right. They don't talk about it. They want to pretend it doesn't exist. But here's the thing. Change, you know, there's, uh, there's studies that say 80% of the people don't like change. I think it's more like 95%. But the thing is, it's not change they don't like. It's the uncertainty of the outcome of the change. If you could show someone with great certainty 
that they would get a more positive experience, a more fulfilling experience, a more productive experience. They want that because the trick is people who say they don't like change. I always ask one question. Terrific. 10 years from now, everything you're doing, every bit of your experience is going to be exactly the same. How are you with that? Mm. Oh my God, no. No, I need it to change. But people want to be in control of the change. So a lot of times the issue with our team around change is there's fear that's not talked about, recognized, or even acknowledged. There's um, doubts and uncertainty. There's all this discomfort, and we just ignore it, and we push it through. And many times we communicate less rather than more. But to me, a comfort, an open and honest conversation about change means talking about some of our fears. Let me, let me kind of take some of your points and distill them and kind of synthesize them. You're talking about a law firm leader seeing what the vision is, articulating what that vision is and how it's going to help their partners so they feel more agreeable to going through that and facing that risk, being vulnerable and letting them know that they're not perfect and making those shifts and, and challenging the premises. As they go through this, there's probably going to be some blind spots. What would be some of the key blind spots that you've noticed that can that a law firm leader should try to avoid as they go through this process of shifting? Yeah, well, we've talked about several of them already. One of them is the blind spot of not seeing your team members as people. That's a massive blind spot. We see them as producers. And when we make business decisions, that's typically how we see them. We'll make decisions about what kind of billable hours are they producing? What's the qualitative quality of their work, which is all important, but it's not the only thing. So one is about not seeing your team members as people. Another blind spot is believing that if you're running a business, you're a good leader. That's a massive one. Um, And most law firms, you know, if you're not out of business, it's easy to look at your firm and say, well, we're doing okay. Another blind spot, and I talked about already around vulnerability, is acknowledging that we have some deep-seated fears. Now, this is one where the law firms are not alone in this, but they're certainly uh, right in the mix of the failure to have really clear, direct communication and feedback with your team members. I mean, I've worked with firms, and I'm sure you have as well where I am literally shocked to find out the number of underperforming lawyers they have Mm. that are still there, that have been there for several years. And the firm is saying, well, it's probably time to make a decision. And I'll say, finally, time. You've got got half a dozen lawyers who have been at 50% of productivity for three years. Right. Do you know how many millions of dollars you've lost? And now what they'll say is, well, we don't want to be, you know, harsh. They think that's actually being nice. It's well, not telling someone the truth is not nice. Not setting clear expectations is not nice. Failing to communicate to someone exactly what ways they need to grow and helping them do that because that's another thing that leaders either do or put in place. They don't just tell people what they need to improve. They help show them how to improve. But man, they are so, so slow at pulling the trigger. So one big blind spot is not clearly seeing the cost of delay in their leadership. I agree with everything you're saying, Jeff. And one firm I remember, I'm not going to mention, but they had to make some tough decisions and they had to cut some of the underperforming partners. They didn't lay off a single associate in 2008 and they probably should have. But as they made those tough decisions, well, the the legal media talked about that, but then 
the management consultants that really understand law firm management actually espouse the merits of making those tough decisions. And sure enough, a few years later, the firm is doing fine. I think from what I've seen also that firms need to have specific protocols and how they deal with underperforming partners. I don't think it should ever be reactive. I think you should have the your thumb on the pulse of the vital signs as you go along. What are those inputs, those key performance indicators that a law firm leader should look at? What are the resources that they can offer to ameliorate those deficits and help that partner get right side up in terms of their billings? And some of the things that I think you and I see for whatever reason, it's just not done within the law firm, probably because of that culture and the fear of being vulnerable. So let me ask you this in well, terms think of- think about this question, Scott. Here, as you spoke, there's this question that came to mind that I rarely, if ever, hear asked in a law firm environment. How can we help you? Hmm. It's a self-sufficient mindset. It, while the firm might not be eat what you kill, that's the leadership approach. It's we're, We might tell you where you're coming up short, We need you to correct that. But the statement, if it's genuine, how can we help you get there? How can we help you? That's what leaders do. There's some firms I've worked with that are quite remarkable in that regard. And those are the ones that are just killing it. They're doing exceptionally well in terms of their profits, in terms of their trends. But most, most importantly, in terms of the story that they can tell to a prospective lateral. Here's a partner with a large book that's considering that firm. And they look at the systems, at the protocol, at the leadership concepts that drive success, all the things that you mentioned. So I know it's certainly possible in law firms to really take those concepts and translate them into uh, protocols, into how a firm actually executes. So let me kind of ask you this, in terms of the future, what are some of the trends, the concepts, things that law firms should pay attention to or be aware of in terms of the future of law firms? Well, most of them, a lot of them know this already, so I'm not really stating anything brand new. But one, the first thing that comes to mind is understanding that the buyers of legal services, your clients, potential clients, certainly your, your current clients even, and absolutely your future clients, are much more and differently discerning. They are asking a lot different questions about what's the value they're getting from the law firm. Mm-hmm. And, you know... The thing is, though, they're not actually asking the questions. That's the hard part. What I'm finding is clients, businesses especially, but all consumers of lost legal services, they're asking questions, but they may not ask actually ask the lawyer that question. But we got to know that they're doing that. That's that blind spot. You know, Can I anticipate those questions and answer them? So it's about discernment. It's about they're looking for value. You know, the old saying is that it used to be all relationships and now it's all price. And that is not true in my experience. Mm. The, the clients still want, they're looking at value, but they're measuring value differently. Yes, they want to have a relationship, but the willingness to discount or to pay more because of the relationship or not look at that issue has changed. So they're asking tougher questions. I think law firms need to be very focused on value. A big one for me is I still, I really believe, and I don't know about you, Scott, I think that there is a complete shift coming. I got to believe it has to happen relative to the concept of hourly fees. You've got, you know, law firm, large clients have, do not do, do not pay hourly anymore. So we've got a marketplace now where the big players don't pay hourly fees and they have budgets that they work against. And they do value-based fees and retainers. Why? 
because those clients are big enough. But the rest of the clients are still paying hourly fees. That model is so antiquated today. And if you look at the business world, law firms are virtually the only industry that works that way. There is no other industry when you go to them and the idea is, well, what's it going to cost? I don't know. What's going to be the outcome? I don't know. When will I know? Well, you'll know at the end. I'll give you a range, but I'm not going to commit to that because there's too many variables and I'm not willing to take that risk with you. I want you to take all the risk. And the old story that hourly fees are great for clients because they only pay what they use is not being bought anymore. So I think there's a fundamental shift. That's not a revolution coming. And I think when that comes, if it comes quickly, you're going to see some law firms disappear. What are some things that you've seen in terms of firms that are going to maybe an alternative fee concept? What are some of the actual changes that some firms have made? Well, the biggest change is, you know, with the firms that are um, setting up their uh, long-term, well, that's, I started to say long-term, setting up clients on retainers sooner. Law firms will say, well, we can't set a retainer too early because we don't know how much they're going to use us. I said, wait a minute. That means you don't want to take the risk. You want them to take the risk. Why can't you set a retainer based upon your best guess? And you have ongoing discussions about when you need to adjust that. So one is, is about the retainers and doing them sooner. Having conversations, the concept of value-based billing is really about a value conversation not just some sort of set or structured fee. It literally is about value. I can remember when we started to implement this in my firm, some of my partners pushed back hard saying, well, Jeff, we can't agree to this because uh, every once in a while, we're going to have a deal that costs a lot more than that. I said, wait a minute, guys. If, If the personal injury firms can not only survive but thrive when all they get is when they win, business law firms. It's about spreading it over. It's not about do you make money or lose money on a particular client or matter. It's over your whole the whole business that you have and build the relationships through that. And the thing, the biggest shift here, Scott, is what law firms have failed to realize is because a lot of them have started offering these. And when they do, they did not, their clients didn't jump up and down for joy. And they concluded that the clients don't want it. That is not true. What the clients were saying was, we don't trust you. Mm. You've had a model for decades that is built by the hour, which is law firm favored. It favors the law firm. Now you're going to come to us with a new structure. Why should a client now believe that it's really about working together? Because it's never been about that. They're saying, oh, this must be good for the law firm again. So one of the gaps and blind spots we have in the law is not failing to realize there are some real trust issues in our client relationships that are very subtle. And you can't change the model unless you deal unless until you deal with the trust issues. You're absolutely right, Jeff. Jeff, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. What are some resources that you have? What are some of the things that you do with law firms and how can they reach out to you and find you? So the easiest way to reach me to start with is to go to my website, which is www.nishwitzgroup.com, which is N-I-S-C-H-W-I-T-Z group.com. There you can learn about the speaking and training I do, uh, about my coaching programs. One that's often of interest to the law firms is um, 
Rainmakers program, which is helping lawyers uh, and their team members literally learn the skills and the mindsets to help them go out and build those books and grow those books of business uh, in a way that actually fits this legal style versus a lot of times we're trying to teach lawyers to do things in ways they just don't know how to do that. It's very personalized. So that's the best source. Go to the website. You know, you go to my website, you can also find out some speaking engagement I have coming up near you. It might be a chance to get a flavor of what I bring to the table. That's great, Jeff. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. And I know we'll probably have you back again soon. Maybe we can talk about rainmaking on the next one. (laughs) Thanks, Scott. It was great to be with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.